0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and we are back for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast as a part of the Behind the Steel Curtain network of podcasts. It is not a victory Monday. If you watched the game, saw the final score, doesn't matter, you know it is not a victory Monday. The Steelers lose in Week 11 37-30 against the Cincinnati Bengals in what most people would conceive as a disappointing loss. I get it. It is a disappointing loss. And there's a lot of news to talk about. We have injury updates, a lot of other fun stuff to discuss. We've got winners and losers coming up in the second half of this show. And even when I get to the number of winners and losers, I feel like a lot of people that listen to the podcast, that read the article, will say, how in the heck did Jeff come up with this many winners and only that many losers? It's weird. You know, the game ends, the second half is the second half. It's disappointing. And I, everyone's saying the same thing. Yeah, I did the post-game show with myself, Dave, and Brian. Everyone said the same thing. Sound like a broken record. Tale of two halves. Tale of two halves. It's a tale of two halves. Yes, it was the tale of two halves. But for me, I don't want the second-half failures to negate the first-half success with the team. No, they didn't win. That's obvious. But ultimately, there were some really good things that happened in the first half. If you were to flip those halves, so let's say the Steelers come out, of the gates and they're struggling and they look bad and they don't do well offensively and defensively they're, they're giving up some plays but in the second half well the script gets flipped the offense is kind of firing on cylinders they're making plays scoring points they lose the game still but you flip those halves I feel like the fan base would have a completely different feeling about this game but That's neither here nor there because it didn't happen that way. Nonetheless, I think that I'm trying to think a little bit more from a global standpoint of the entire game and not just the way that it ended. Before we get to my thoughts on the game, I want to get some injury updates out of the way and some other news. Injuries. Mike Tomlin spoke after the game, mentioned three players that left the game with injury were not able to return, and some of these are big injuries. The first is, is probably the least... Important, I guess you want to put it that way. Not that he doesn't have a significant role on this football team, and that's Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin had an oblique injury, and he was not able to return. Miles Boykin is a, is a backup wide receiver. You're talking about the fourth receiver probably on your team, but he is a special teams gunner, and he is good at that job. So he does have a, a significant role on the team while he's not a starter on offense. The other two injuries were much more significant. Jalen Warren, running back. He had a hamstring injury. We saw this happen. He caught a pass for 9 yards, converted a first down and he got up and he was very ginger on his with his leg and it was a hamstring injury. Was not able to return. Mike Tomlin said he's going to have to be evaluated. Look, you know how hamstring injuries can be. Ask Akello Witherspoon how hamstring injuries can be. They can depending on the severity, it could be weeks or it could be days. You just don't know. But you know, they have a little bit longer of an extended break this week with them playing on Monday Night Football, an extra day to kind of rest and rehab. I don't know. Those hamstrings, like I said, everyone's everything. everyone is different. Who knows? But Jalen Warren, that, that was a big loss for the Steelers because now you're leaning only on Najee Harris, something that they hadn't done yet this year, hadn't done since last year, to be honest. The last injury I think was the most significant. That was to center Mason Cole. When Mason Cole left in the first half with a with a foot injury and was unable to return, it's not that the, the offense completely fell apart. They were limited with what they could do. When Mason Cole was in there, uh, the offensive line was doing a great job with combo blocks. They were opening up the interior runs. And this is something that I'm going to lean on Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey Benedict's done so much film study on, you know, Matt Canada's offenses in college all the way to the pros. And he always says the same thing. When Matt Canada's offenses can run the ball up the middle, they are successful. Think about what they did in the first half. Najee Harris was able to run the ball up the middle. Second half, Mason Cole's not there. JC Hassenauer's inserted into the lineup. And what? They can't run the ball up the middle anymore. And everything else seems to be scattershot. We'll put it that way. Now, Mike Tomlin said that this injury to Mason Cole was going to need to be further evaluated. He's called it a mid-foot injury. That scares the heck out of me because you're, warned, you're, you're worried about a Liz Frank, and I'm not sure if it impacts alignment as much as it would a running back or a receiver, but you're you're hoping not for some an injury that would lead to an injured reserve designation. I don't want to go down that road, but still, those are the three injuries the Steelers are dealing with now heading into Week 12. Uh, in case you're one of the draft Knicks out there and you're wondering— Where do the Steelers reside currently in the draft order? Well, they are eighth. The Steelers at 3-7 and have the eighth overall pick. And as we always do, we check in on the Chicago Bears. They lose to the Atlanta Falcons, another close game. And that means that they have the third overall pick right now at, I think they are 3-8. and Because they've played one more game. They haven't had their bye week yet. So, for the Steelers, if you're someone that's looking ahead to the draft, some pretty good news there for you. Congratulations. For the rest of us, though, this was a tough game to watch. It was a tough game to watch, and, and the one thing that I, I really, really struggle with, I honest to goodness do, is I'm to the point now where I don't even want to bring up the quarterback situation on social media. I don't want to write articles about it. I don't even feel like talking about it anymore based on the fact that This situation where the Steelers fan base has become so polarizing, it almost reminds me of politics anymore. You have the people that love Kenny Pickett. You have the people that hate Kenny Pickett. And the people in the middle, well, there's just not many of us. There's not many of us. I would find myself in the middle. And you might say, well, Jeff, you've been saying that Kenny Pickett should start all along. Yeah, I did, because I felt that he was the best option that they had. And you want to see what you have in this young guy. And that's what they're doing. And I want to make something clear. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Kenny Pickett. I thought Kenny Pickett took some steps forward. He's still missing on some plays. He is far from perfect. This team is far from perfect, and that's kind of where I want to go with this. Folks, this isn't all about the quarterback. This isn't all about the offensive coordinator either. For those of you out there that are, are trying to fing, you know, singularly point at one thing, well, this is a team issue. I get that everyone wants to talk about the future everyone always wants to talk about the future. yeah we all want to think ahead especially when the team is three and seven you're, you're, the team's three and seven your mind naturally starts to look at next year the draft what could it look like free agency salary cap space all that stuff will come up in the back of your head and that's understandable. but the one thing that the fans need to understand is that the fans need to see what the team has down this stretch. I mean think about some of the players that you want to talk about the future. If, you want to, if you're that person, if you're of that ilk, then think about some of the players that are playing for their careers after this season. Meaning, are they going to get a contract extension or a contract offer from the Steelers? A lot of it depends on their play down the stretch. Someone like Cam Sutton. Do the Steelers want to extend an offer to him, or do they want to look somewhere else? You think about Terrell Edmonds, DeMonte KZ, Larry Ogunjobi. All these players I just named, they're either on the last year of their deal or they were on a one-year deal this year anyways. So these players, they have a lot to play for. They have a lot to play for. They have a lot of pride there. In my opinion, the future will take care of itself. The future will take care of itself. But if, if you're sitting there or walking, whatever you do when you listen to my podcast, if you are listening to this and you think that this team, the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022, their issues are solely surrounding the quarterback position, I I could not disagree with you more. This is a team issue. These issues that present itself to the team, or or present themselves every week almost, I should say, are team issues. Is the quarterback position one of the issues? Sure. Is it the only issue? Far from it. So let's talk about some of the issues here. I, I picked out three in particular that I have serious questions about after watching this team play uh 10 games now. It's hard to believe they played 10 games. Though with well, the play calling. I did say it's not all on the, on the on the coordinator, but it's also we're not, you know, absolving the coordinator of any of, of any issues in that regard. So I'm just going to point to one specific set of plays that happened that really highlighted my thoughts on what is going on with the play calling. So I'm not even going to mention how the Steelers seem to run on second and long a so many times it was predictable enough that I can see it. If I can see it, the people that are paid to find out the analytics for the Bengals, they've seen it. And I'm talking about in the second half, the Steelers had not been able to get a first down, struggling just to move the ball. I think they had one first down in the third quarter. So they they hit on a go route to George Pickens. And it's a first down. It's a good throw. It was a great catch. Pickens gets his feet in. Now, Dave Schofield brought up something in the postgame. I'd have to go back and watch it again. But he essentially wondered, you know, the Steelers went in hurry up after that first down. And that's fine. The hurry up tells you that maybe they think, hey, they might want to challenge this. So We want to get the playoff so that we get this, we get that yardage. We want that yardage. I get all that. What they do is they go into a hurry up and they run a flea flicker. Now, this flea flicker, I'm sure they've practiced it a bunch. It certainly looks like they've never even tried it. That's what it looked like. It was discombobulated. The pitch back from Harris was off. Pickett had to throw the ball away. Wasted down. The only thing you got accomplished in that play is if you thought the Pickens might have bobbled the ball, didn't get his feet in, whatever the case is, You you don't. they can't challenge it. That's the only positive you can take away from that play. Okay. So now they're at 2nd and 10. What do they do on 2nd and long? They run the football. Bengals know it. Sniff it out. Inside run. Loss of 3. Now you're facing a a 3rd and 13. Okay, good luck, Kenny. See the Cincinnati Bengals pin their ears back. Sack the quarterback. Punt team on. So the moment you had a little bit of success, I'm fine with going hurry up, but you run a flea flicker. Then... Right then, when you've had no success in the entire half, your defense has been on the field the majority of the time, and that's when you decide, as Brian Davis always says, you decide to get cute. I just don't get it. I don't get it in the second half was when there were plays that – and this was something Kenny Pickett was asked about after the game. It was a great question by whoever asked it. They said, do you think that you are becoming predictable? He said, you know, I don't know. We'll have to go back and take a look at the film and look at our tendencies. That he could have just said yes. He never would. I get it because he's a. He's not going to try to throw anyone under the bus. But yes, they are predictable. When you see teams, there was a wide receiver screen to Deontay Johnson that was almost intercepted by two different players. It fell incomplete. They know what you're doing. They know that you're going to run with that with that formation in that down and distance. You tend to do this play. That's predictability. If I can watch this team and say, man, on second and long, they are running the ball every single time. If I know it, they know it. That's some of the issues I have with play calling. But let's not harp on that too long. Let's go to the defensive side. I just can't get over the fact that the defense gave up 37 points. So I follow what people are saying on Twitter. I'm listening to Brian, Dave talk, looking at the live chat in our post game show live on YouTube and Facebook. And I'm watching all these people that are just harping on the offense and Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett and da-da-da-da. And I've got people on Twitter saying that the defense deserves better and they'll just have to do it themselves. They gave up 37 points. I'll say it again. They gave up 37 points. And some people will go as far as saying, well, Mike Tomlin always singles out the defense saying that they are they are at fault. And I think the reason why that happens is that Mike Tomlin has these super lofty expectations for his defense. And if they don't win the game, if they don't play up to his standard, then it's their fault. I guarantee you that's what it is. But they gave up 37 points, folks. 37 points. The one time this year that the offense puts up 30 points, and they hadn't even sniffed 30 points. They hadn't even sniffed it. They scored 23 in week one, and they needed to make a Fitzpatrick pick six to get there. They finally get to the 30-point plateau, and the defense gives up 37. I, I cannot absolve the defense here. They win the turnover battle. They get two interceptions. Fantastic job setting up the offense. The offense doesn't always cash in. But the big plays galore. They had six players. With twenty-plus yard plays surrendered, six players, and some of those players, T. Higgins and per, uh, per, Perrine, Perrine, however you say the uh, running back of of the Bengals, he had, they each had two. So that they they gave up over eight plays of twenty or twenty or more yards. The big plays were just all over the field. I think of one. I think it was in the fourth quarter, maybe the waning minutes of the third quarter. Steelers have to punt that's not a surprise. And the Bengals start with the ball inside their 20. Boom, play to T. Higgins. Boom, play to a guy that just got elevated off the practice squad, and they're inside the Steelers 35. Two plays just like that. I'm sorry, but that we cannot overlook these issues. We cannot just say, oh, well, well, T.J. Watt's back. They're fine. And now they've had Minka and Demonte K.Z. and Terrell Edmonds. The Bengals had a good plan. The Bengals executed that plan. But let's not pretend like the defense was fine. Let's not pretend that the defense was perfect. They were far from perfect. And by the way, where were the second half adjustments on the defensive side of the ball? This was not the case where you had Robert Spillane filling in for an injured player and you had no one else to turn to. And I'm not saying that's just an example. They had no answer for T. Higgins. They had no answer for Perrine. None. None. The first half, they, the Bengals knew exactly what they wanted to do. Running backs in the flat, take advantage of your mismatches, break tackles, and it's exactly what they did. Let's talk about the offensive line, the third and final issue here. The offensive line is turning into a pretty decent run-blocking unit. You know, this year, or this game, I'm sorry. In this game, the Steelers rushed for 102 yards. They averaged 4.3 yards per rush. I'll take that. I'll take that. And the question, though, that I have is with the pass blocking. Yeah, some people were saying Kenny Pickett's, uh, you know, he's seeing ghosts. He's tentative in the pocket. I thought he manipulated the pocket well. But he's also getting hit a lot. Seven quarterback hits was sacked twice. And it's a situation where if people want to look ahead to the future, if you're one of those people that you want to start looking ahead, I think this is where you have to start. I think you have to start with the offensive line and say, you know, if you're going to have these three picks that are pretty early in, in those rounds, day one, day two, what do you think about your offensive line? Especially the left side. Left guard, Kevin Dotson. Left guard, Dan Moore. You sold on those guys cuz if not you need to find some you need to get somebody whether it's in free agency or the draft that can come in and do a better job. But that offensive line, it's an issue. It is becoming a serious issue. You talk about penalties, talk about just getting beat so easily. It's it's an issue across the board. There are more issues than the 3 that I mentioned, but those are just the 3 that stood out after this game. After this game they did you know, I always talk about the dreaded P word, and I that, that typically means potential. You know, I, I did a whole episode of, or a whole podcast about where's the Steelers' potential this year, and you're starting to see glimmers of that, little splotches here and there. That's not the dreaded P word anymore. Now it's playoffs. A- anyone that talks about playoffs at this juncture of the season, I, I don't know. I just cannot get on board with that. Forget about it. Forget about it. Take it one game at a time. And I'm talking to you as a fan. I'm not talking to the team. That's not my job. That's Mike Tomlin's job. I'm talking to you, the fan. Take it one game at a time. Accept the fact that the rebuild's underway. The rebuild is underway. I said it all the year. I'm going to continue to say it all off season two. Two to three years away. This is year one. So you're seeing some stuff change. You're seeing some positives come out, whether it's a running back like uh, Jalen Warren, a receiver like George Pickens, uh, whether you're seeing some young talent, uh, like, or maybe even some some new faces starting to play better, like Levi Wallace is really starting to turn it around. Maybe you see James Daniels and Chuk Socorro for being really solid members on the offensive line. We didn't think that at the beginning of the year, but now we do. Pat Fryermuth is continuing to grow and develop. Najee Harris is starting to turn into what we saw last year. Whatever the case is, you're starting to see the future being built, and now you have to just keep with the process. Let's see what the rest of the season has in store. Can they win some games? We hope they win some games. Like I've said before, success is important. Being on the field and, and seeing seeing what victory looks like, tastes like, feels like, that's important. That is important. But for right now, take it one game at a time, folks. Take it one game at a time. See if players improve, who's going to stay, who's going to go. They're going to show that to everyone for the world to see on film in the next few games leading up to the end of this regular season. But it's tough times. This is tough times. 3-7 and is tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. But the Steelers are here. We're here. Behind the Steel Curtains aren't going anywhere. And when we come back after this break, we've got winners and losers. That's right, five winners and seven losers. And I know what you're thinking, Jeff, you're nuts. I'll explain it all right after this break. Stay tuned. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. Steeler fans, welcome back. Wow, you all stuck around. I, it's, I, I appreciate it. My ride-or-die crew is the best. I want to mention before we get started with the winners and losers to keep your eye out for the tweet on Tuesday to be a part of the mailbag segment. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I'll tweet it out every Tuesday morning, typically, and you just have to respond. Once you respond, I will answer your question live on the mailbag segment, and we'll be good to go. I also want to mention that this week being Thanksgiving week, nothing changes with my show. I'll still be back with you on Friday, Black Friday. Black Friday, let's ride. Maybe I'll do something fun for that one, Uh, but I plan on having Jeremy Jerome Betts on for that show as well. Uh, So, Keep your eye out for that. I got to check with Jeremy and his schedule In with the Thanksgiving holiday. It might be a little bit different. Nonetheless, hope you stick with all of us through this time of the holiday season. All right, let's get to the winners and losers. Like I said, five winners, seven losers. I'm sorry, five and seven. And so your brother, Jeff, how in the heck do you have five winners? I don't, I'm not looking past the first half. I thought there were some good things. Let's go through this and maybe you'll see what I'm talking about as I go. First winner is George Pickens. Finishes with four catches, 83 yards, a 20.8-yard average, one touchdown, a 33-yard long and on six targets. I know he had the drop. He could have added another 50 yards to this with another touchdown, but he dropped the football, and I'm sure that's going to be one that, that really haunts him. He did get ejected from the game uh, on the onside kick. Uh, he I guess they said he targeted a player with his helmet. Uh, whatever. I'm sure he's going to learn from it. I'm sure he's going to get fined for it. But but still, it's a situation where George Pickens showed a lot in this game. He is reliable. Uh, that was the first real drop of the season for him. And that's, that's something a lot of players can't say. I thought that George Pickens has also proven that he can take on a greater role. Everyone said, well, George Pickens is basically running two routes. I think he's running more than two routes at this point. You know, they trade away Chase Claypool. He seems to be picking up the slack. A great game. He's developing a good rapport with uh with Kenny Pickett. And to be honest, he could have even had greater numbers. You think about when he abused Jesse Bates in the deep half of the secondary, he gets twisted around because Kenny Pickett threw to the wrong shoulder. And instead of just swiveling his head to the left, he tries to turn his whole body. He gets it, the, the him falling made it look worse, but still George Pickens is a bright spot on this team when some people, and there are times where I feel like this too, don't feel like there are many bright spots. So George Pickens is a winner. The second winner, believe it or not, is the first half offense. The Steelers put up 20 first half points. There was, <laughs> there were times this season where we wondered if the Steelers with Kenny Pickett at the helm would ever score 20 points in a game. And they did it in the first half. So the first half offense is a winner for me. I thought that Matt Canada called a great game in the first half. I thought that they were, they were, they were still predictable to an extent, but they were getting the job done. I've always wanted, I always envied those teams. The Steelers have had. We've all seen them where, hey, you know what's coming, and you can't stop it. If you think back to those the glory days of Jerome Bettis and Deuce Daly, where they, hey, we're gonna line it up and we're going to run it right down your throat. You know it's coming, and it won't happen. It won't matter. The Steelers were doing that in the first half. They were moving the ball on first down, second down, creating third and manageables. They were converting, extending drives, finishing drives, and then the second half happened. But I don't want to let the second half negate what happened in the first half. So the first half offense is a winner. The next winner is Najee Harris. Great stat line for him. He he had, he had to play a lot. 20 carries, 90 yards, over a 4.5-yard average. He had two rushing touchdowns with a 19 yard long, four catches, 26 yards receiving, six and a half yard average, a 12 yard long on six targets. So Najee Harris on a day when they lose Jalen Warren in the first quarter, he was called on to, Hey, Hey, we're going to need you to be the bell cow. I thought he answered the call over hundred yards total, two touchdowns, yeah, you, people will say, you know, ah, he could have caught that pass. Yes, there was a pass he could have caught where uh, he had a very good one-on-one matchup. But still, Najee Harris looked more like the Najee Harris we saw last year. He is hitting the hole harder. He's traveling more north and south. He seems to be working more in concert with the offensive line. It's good to see Najee Harris is a winner. The next winner is TJ Watt. Finishes his uh, day with six tackles, two solo, he had a half a sack, he and Alex Highsmith, two pass defenses, one quarterback hit, and he had an interception. And T.J. Watt has, man, he has harassed Joe Burrow in Joe Burrow's brief career. It's his second interception of Burrow so far this season, Uh, will be the last one probably. I don't think these two teams will meet up again. But still, T.J. Watt, just a really great game, and, and the Bengals... Sent so much help his way, meaning they were chipping him off the line, sending running backs, tight ends, extra help with the guard. It, it was incredible. And TJ Watts still impacts the game. He's, in my opinion, the Steelers' most valuable player. If you look at it from value, as in if they're not there, you miss that player that much. Yeah, TJ Watts, that guy, and he's a winner. The next winner, while uh, some people might dis- dispute this, is, is Levi Wallace. He finishes with the four tackles, three solo, two pass defenses, and an interception since the bye week. Now, he got hurt prior to the bye week with a shoulder injury, and he didn't play in the Philadelphia game. But still, he has the bye week, gets healthy, comes back two weeks. He's had two interceptions in those two games. I don't know if this is a Kella Witherspoon 2.0. Think back to what Witherspoon did in the second half of the season, which got him a two-year deal in Pittsburgh. But Levi Wallace is playing good football. And uh, he's going to be back next year anyways. But I like what I'm seeing. I like the way his game is trending. I think Levi Wallace is a winner after the game in Week 11. So the five winners to recap. George Pickens, the first-half offense, Najee Harris, TJ Watt, and Levi Wallace. The losers. The second-half offense is the first loser. And that is because they only scored 10 points. And... Seven of those 10 points came in garbage time when the Steelers were moving the ball against a prevent defense and Najee Harris plunged into the end zone with, I think, 41 seconds left in the game. Maybe that's, I can't say that's the exact time, but it was under a minute. We'll put it that way. Other than that, it was abysmal. It was abysmal. They didn't they didn't have a first down in the second half until late in the third quarter. Uh, in the fourth quarter, it wasn't much better. They squandered opportunities, squandered field position for as good as everything was in the first half. And that's from the play calling down to the execution. It was bad in the second half. Second half offense is a loser. The next is Matt Canada. So I have this stat line as mind numbing play calling and then also predictability. I did say what I said in the first part of this segment with the first half offense. And when I said that they had that Matt Canada called a good game in the first half. I stand by that. In the second half, no, he did not. No, he did not. I mentioned the sequence with the flea flicker. There were other sequences and a lot of it wasn't on just on Canada. I think about when the Steelers get the ball back and they start with the ball in Bengals territory. Pat Friermuth gets called for a holding call, back him up. Then there's another penalty. First and 25. So, Say what you want about the play caller. Most people don't have a 25-yard play in their in their uh, on their play sheet. So it's not all on Canada, but it's still were, the predictability aspect is what really drives me crazy the most. Next loser, whoever was tasked with guarding T. Higgins is the loser, and it was a bunch of people. It was Arthur Millette. It was Cam Sutton a bunch. It was Minka Fitzpatrick. It was Terrell Edmonds. T. Higgins had nine catches for 148 yards, a 16.4 yard average, a 33 yard long on 13 targets, 148 yards. The only thing this guy didn't do was hit pay dirt. T. Higgins tore up the Steelers. On a day when Jamar Chase wasn't even in the lineup, he did what Jamar Chase typically does to a lot of defenses. It just was horrible. It was horrible. And he was the only guy that did it he, he led the Bengals receiving by far. You know, it wasn't Tyler Boyd that was lighting him up. T. Higgins was the guy tonight, and, and whoever was tasked with guarding him, they did not do their job. That's why they're on the loser list. The next one, a similar story, is whoever was tasked with stopping uh, Pirine, the running back. So Joe Mixon leaves with a head injury. We're assuming it's a concussion, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. Let's stop Samaj P. Pirine is how you say it. Samaje, I think it. I think that's it. It doesn't matter. Stat line is this. Here's what P Ryan put up. 11 carries for 30 yards, a 2.7 yard average, 8 yard long. And eh, those are very pedestrian numbers. But wait, it gets better. Four catches on four targets, 52 yards receiving, a 13.0 average and three touchdowns. I'll say it again. Three touchdowns. In the first half of this game, and P Ryan scored two of his three touchdowns in the first half. You could see the Bengals plan was to attack the Steelers with their running backs in the passing game. They knew that the they weren't going to be able to run consistent consistently on the Steelers. So what are you going to do? You're going to stress the defense by getting the ball to your running backs in space, make them tackle. They didn't tackle Robert Spillane missed tackles. A lot of people, Miles Jack missed tackles, Devin Bush missed tackles. It wasn't just one player. They all failed. Whoever was tasked with stopping him failed. They're on the loser list. The next are penalties. Steelers are penalized eight times for 70 yards. I mentioned the Pat Fryermuth holding call. That was brutal. Uh, Dan Moore was flagged for holding. Deontay Johnson flagged for a false start. Kenny Pickett somehow was flagged for a false start. I have yet to see what he did to somehow have a false start called on him. These penalties are the self-inflicted wounds that this team cannot sustain. They can't. They cannot sustain it. So the stat line, 8 for 70 yards, that was bad, and that's why it's on the loser list. The next, the red zone defense. We talk about bend, don't break, right? Bend, don't break. You can give up the yards, just don't give up the points. They were doing that up until it came into the red zone where the Bengals finished a perfect three for three. Three for three in the red zone. And oh, did I mention the Steelers defense gave up 37 yards? 37 points. 37 points. And it wasn't a game where Kenny Pickett threw an interception and it was ran down in the red zone. Or a player fumbled and it was picked up and returned. They didn't have that. Okay, so the yes, the offense wasn't possessing the ball as much as you would like. They weren't flipping the field all the time, but still the defense when he comes to bend, don't break. Well, they were they were breaking way more than they were bending. We'll put it that way. The last loser, second half adjustments. Where were they? Is the stat line. Whether you're talking about on offense, finding a way to stay true to what you did that was successful while also not going into that predictable range on defense. At what point were you going to say, okay, this running back's killing us in the flat? We got to make a change? Or. T. Higgins is killing us on the outside. we got to make a change. Where are the adjustments? This team team has made adjustments before. I think back to the Sunday night game. I think it was week seven against Miami. Second half, the defense shuts them out. They made those adjustments. Where were those adjustments? That's what I want to know. Offensively, defensively, both. Second half adjustments were, if, if they made them, they weren't noticeable. And that tells me that they weren't done. And if they were done, they weren't well done and they weren't executed. Second half adjustments. So the losers to go back over this, the second half offense, Matt Canada, whoever was guarding T Higgins, whoever was tasked with stopping P Ryan, the penalties, the red zone defense and second half adjustments. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a bummer list. This was a game. The Steelers could have won. I said that this is a game. I, I honest to goodness thought they could win this game and they could have. They failed to but they could have. All right, folks, that does it for me on this non-victory Monday. I'll be back on Wednesday to talk about all things Steelers, getting you geared up for the upcoming game, talking about, obviously, the mailbag injury report from Mike Tomlin's Tuesday press conference. You name it, we'll have it. Stay tuned. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers. Every night, I'm sipping coffee, burning all to-